What is the perfect story? Does it exist? Is there a tangible formula? Has the perfect story ever been told? And if so, are we simply trying to retell this story over and over? This podcast is called The Midnight Myth, and somewhere between the black of night and the break of dawn, there is a story, and it's perfect. My name is Derek Jones. And my name is Laurel Hostack. Welcome to The Midnight Myth. folks two public service announcements yeah i mentioned this in last week's episode that uh, i will be the keynote speaker at moore college in philadelphia shameless plug this upcoming sunday yep doing a lecture about batman which we just talked about and i am going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff i didn't even talk about last week it's going to be pretty awesome yeah and then there'll be a rewatch of the episodes the demon quest part 1 and 2 from batman the animated series series season 3 and then a round table if you're a fan of the show and we haven't met and you're in the philadelphia area this event starts at 1 more college in philadelphia totally free it's i'd free. love to meet you totally totally free um can't stress the free part enough and uh, if you are a fan of the show and I have met you and I haven't seen you in a while or I have saw you yesterday, still come out, see my lecture. It should be a lot of fun. Laurel will be there too. Um, it's going to be a really good time. I promise any nerds, nerd, Midnight Myth fan would love it. Yeah, come on down. They're always a blast and you learn a lot too. And I've heard some of Derek's lecture and I think it's going to knock people's socks off. I hope. Other just total public service announcement. I just want to say before we get into this week's con content and there'll be a loose segue. Um, I have health insurance through the affordable care act. I also, as do I, yeah. yeah, I also have a subsidy as does Laurel and I have a pre-existing condition and, uh, one that requires pretty regular treatment all in all. I'm a lucky man. So it's not like I, I'm not trying to pull any heartstrings here. Um, our president is trying to take mine and my fiance's healthcare away right now. And uh, if you're mad about that, which you should be, if you're not mad about that, look in the mirror, you're a dick. But if you are mad about it and you don't know what to do, there's this great app called Countable. It's uh, free on, I know, on the uh, iTunes app store. Yeah. I would imagine it's free on the Google store, whatever platform you use. It will literally give you the phone number of people that you can call um, and there's another place, indivisible.com, which is a good place to go if you want to get involved locally to uh, stop uh, dickheads from taking away uh, poor people's health care. Yep. As always, stay involved in the democratic process, get in touch with your representatives and make sure that your voice is heard. But you know what you shouldn't do? You shouldn't just start beating people up and creating an entire revolution where you're trying to dismantle the state and create anarchy. You shouldn't do that. What if I just wanted to get a bunch of 
people that I don't know together, just like a bunch of strangers. Like I put something out on Reddit and I just wanted to get everybody together in a basement to just like go hog wild on each other and just like beat each other's faces to a pulp to kind of help and release some of the anger that I feel instead of turning it outward. Would that be like a fruitful use of my time or energy? Well, what is the, if you form this underground organization, yeah, underground, like, like violence organization. What would be the parameters or structure you'd put around it to make sure, because yeah. it's not legal, No, to make sure that it, it survives and flourishes? Well, I think it's pretty easy. Like, as long as everyone is going in and you can take everybody at their word, you only have to have two rules. And the first rule is you don't talk about it. And the mm. second rule would be that you don't talk about it. Really? Yeah. Well, then how do you get anyone to join if you can't talk about it? And therein lies the question. Oh, the paradox. Um, We're being a little cheeky. So we want to talk (laughs) about one of our favorite movies. Uh, Have you read the book? I have not read the book. You have, right? I have read the book, yeah. Um, A book by a... Oh, man, I don't even know how to describe the author. Unique author. Yeah. Uh, Chuck Palahniuk. Who he's then, got a voice. Yeah, he's very, very unique. I, I don't want to go so far as to say good, but I certainly <laughs> am a fan. So, But like, I don't think he's a good writer, but um, we can debate that too. And then David Fincher produced this little-known movie that you know did terrible at the box office, was protested, and then became a cult classic starring Brad Pitt and Edward Norton and, and Helena, Helena Bonham Carter. I always have trouble saying her name. And Meatloaf. And Meatloaf. We're going to talk about the movie slash book of Fight Club. Maybe more movie since you haven't also read the yeah, book. Yeah, we'll probably talk a little bit more movie, but I would love to hear some insight about the book. Um, and I would love to hear from listeners too. If you've had an experience with uh, this piece of storytelling, I'd love to hear how people interpreted it. Um, I just want to say we did briefly skim Fight Club uh, in a previous episode, um, an episode we did about uh, a bunch of really amazing movies that all came out in 1999, dealing with the same kind of crises in American culture. Um, And I would definitely go back and listen to that one. You don't need to have heard it to understand what we're going to talk about in this one, but we make some interesting points and we compare a lot of uh, really cool movies from that specific moment in time. However, I sh- cannot say this enough. If you haven't seen Fight Club and you want to see it, we are going to ruin it. You really need it. to watch it before yeah. you listen to this. Like, serious spoiler wall, because uh, the spoilers in Fight Club, if it gets spoiled for you, it does kind of ruin the whole movie experience. Yeah, it does. It's not one of those ones that you can go in with it spoiled and it being the same. Watching yeah. it, not knowing what happens. But at the other time, total side tangent, it came out in 1999. So if you haven't seen it yet, what the fuck are you doing? Go yeah, and see this but movie. But anyway, if you haven't seen it or you, it's been a while and you don't remember what the big twist is, go out, see it, come back to us when you can. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. Absolutely. So um, we had a whole good pre-discussion about what we wanted to talk about. So uh, one thing I'd like to, can I, can I start the, the mm-hmm. conversation? Are you cool with that? Yes, please. I want to start the conversation like I've done some other episodes with a question. What happens when the antagonist, if you're not familiar with that term, the villain, the person that plays the villain is so charismatic and has such a compelling job playing the villain 
that somehow the villain becomes the hero. What does that do to the overall hero's journey? Are you talking about Meatloaf in this movie? Uh, no, but he's a really good contender. I could be talking about Meatloaf. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I no, should I'm be. I'm talking about Meatloaf. I'm talking Everything about- Everything I prepared was about Meatloaf and how he would do anything for love, but- uh, Or Tyler Durgan. He, he won't do that. So I want to talk about Brad Pitt's performance uh, as Tyler Durgan. And I feel like uh, Brad Pitt in the late 90s, or I say early 90s, was really kind of known as a pretty boy. Yeah. As an actor. And then he did, uh, he played- sort of the bad guy in 12 monkeys. And then he played the sort of bad guy in fight club. And to me, like that represented at least my understanding of Brad Pitt as an artist, as someone's like, Oh damn, this dude can really act. Yeah. yeah I didn't know chops. that yet before those two movies and then have been a fan of his ever since. And he does such a good job in the role of Tyler Durgan. I think what gets lost is really the meaning and the the juice of the movie because when the movie's over, Tyler's charisma, Brad Pitt's charisma, kind of wins us over to his argument, and I'm not sure that was the point of the movie. I guess we're starting at the end here with my question. I'm not sure if the point of the movie is that Tyler Durgan's argument that we need to live in anarchy, that any system's... Uh, around us as a society will destroy us spiritually. And that the only way to be free is to s- essentially live as nomads. He like at one point outlines his vision of the world where we wear leather clothes that will wear our whole lives. There's no technology and we're essentially back as being cave people. And I can't help but think Chuck Palahniuk's intention is to not say that's literally how people should be living. You know, like, and we end up feeling as an audience so sucked into his performance that we end up wanting to be like, oh man, I'm going to join Project Mayhem and I'm going to fuck some shit up. Not to mention that like Project Mayhem's fucking evil. That's my, that's my intro. That's a good intro. Um, I think, I I think Fight Club is, uh, makes a complex argument and makes a pretty layered argument. And to even zoom out from Tyler and from Brad Pitt's performance as Tyler um, and look at the look at the movie in its entirety and look at the style, look at the direction, look at the um, at every edit and the way that um, Edward Norton's character, the narrator, breaks the fourth wall and tells us about Tyler. Look at all of this and the effect that it has on the viewer. And you kind of can't walk away from that movie and not say, that was really fucking cool. Um, there's there's a lot about Fight Club that is just like cool. And some of that is in the just like raw violence of the Fight Club itself. Some of that is just in the like the release that we get as viewers from watching people just beat each other up without consequence. Some of that is in like hearing people rail against the evil corporations that are messing with our lives. And what Fight Club really is, or I think what it wants to be, is a satire, right? Um, Fight Club wants to satirize the the sort of argument that men and masculinity is a marginalized population um, and wants to satirize uh, to some extent. I think it does want to make an indictment of consumer culture and of like of conformity, but I think it also wants to satirize the conformity that arises out of uh, the backlash to that. 
So the idea that like, you don't want to be every little like white collar guy who's got the desk job, who just, you know, is a zombie through his life and is drinking a Starbucks cup all the time. But then in order to escape that, you become like all the same people who are part of this like underground organization who like dress the same and who like literally talk in unison sort of the, the conformity outside the conformity, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, and I'm with you. So, and I would add on top of that in the crux of the movie, we get to see Edward Norton's character. We'll call him nameless because he doesn't have a name. Yeah. He literally is a, a character without a name. I like to call him Jack because of the, like I am Jack's. Spleen. We can call him Jack nameless yeah. Jack. You know, he is um, sleepwalking through life. He is living in a perpetual state of never awake and never asleep. And it's very on the nose that this character is suffering from an extreme form of alienation of being completely soulless. And in his search to find meaning, he ends up doing despicable and terrible things, going to these, you know, um, meetings, these support Support groups groups, uh, in which he goes just to cry because it helps him sleep. So to actually feel something at all, even though it's fake, is better than nothing. And then through all this, he meets the character Tyler Durgan, who they get into a, they fight each other, you know, and they do it just to do it. And they actually feel something, which is pain. And so like the whole main current of this is when you're numb and you're completely numb, anything you feel is going to be welcome. And I think that's a very powerful argument within the first half of the film. And I think one of the great scenes before we transition out of Fight Club, the club where everyone just hangs out and beats each other up and into Project Mayhem when it becomes a terrorist organization, is when Tyler says, you know, we have no great war. Our war is a spiritual war. We have no great depression. Our depression is our lives. He is stating something that I think a lot of people have felt, and that's the connection People have people are like, damn, there isn't a really big thing we're all fighting for. There really isn't that. In that respect, I think it it doesn't satirize. I think it really is trying to genuinely hit it on the nose. It's a symptom of the postmodern condition, um, or what they call our. So you kind of can break history and break generations up into chunks, and you know, the lines are never that clean. You can never really say that a generation is just from this year to this year, all the babies born within this one year. Right. Um, when did when did the medieval part end and the Renaissance part begin? Right. It's never yeah. that clear. And it's also never clear in the moment. So what a lot of, I think, social scientists are calling the period that we're in now is, is actually atemporality, which is post-postmodern, which is something that I've said on this show a bunch of times. Uh, So we are out of this period where we're just challenging authority and just challenging authority and all the existing conventions, whether they're in government or storytelling or um, family dynamics or whatnot. And we're in this time where information is so diffuse. We are, uh, we're constantly plugged into everything. We kind of live in all times at once and also no times and so there's a little bit of a of a despair that comes with that that fullness and also that emptiness that I think Fight Club really plugged into. I think Fight Club stands as a pretty like powerful postmodern document, um, but also in a way reaches forward to 
a lot of uh, a lot of the feelings that we have today that everything I could possibly want is at my fingertips like I could grubhub anything I want right now I can watch anything I want on Netflix but like I literally have nothing though yeah I have <laughs> nothing <laughs> I could have pizza seven days a week and I have nothing and I also can't really I can't get up in the morning and say, this is my purpose. I can't like walk out my front door and say, this is my neighborhood's purpose or this is my country's purpose. There's so much and also so little, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that totally does. In that respect, I don't think it's satirical. I think the main character is suffering from this and in his suffering, his inability to do anything, he creates this alter ego, Tyler Durgan, who will do it for him because he can't and focusing and repressing all feeling and emotion eventually in, in Jack nameless turns into Tyler Durgan who then goes way too far with it. When, when it becomes to me, um, you know, an issue where Tyler Durgan ceases being an interesting and compelling character and starts to become the villain in the narrative is when, you know, project mayhem and Nameless is at first really kind of pissed off just because he's not a part of it. And where Tyler's just like, it's not about you. It's not about anything where Tyler is about like, I'm about, you know, toppling the state and bringing apart anarchy. And I want to make an anarchy system. And when Tyler Durgan starts to make that system, it's when the, that is when the main character who finally starts to resist Tyler starts to realize what he really wants and who he really is and what he really wants and who he really is is really simple. He's a man in love with a woman, you know, and like that's really what he wants to do. He doesn't really want to blow up buildings. He doesn't really want there to be anarchy. We flash to the very end of the scene or the end of the movie where, you know, nameless looks at Tyler and he says, Tyler, I want you to understand something. My eyes are open, you know, symbolically stating that he is no longer, you know, sleepwalking through life. He is no longer unaware and unawake. He is now seeing the world for what it is and capable of deciding for himself and no longer needs this fake, you know, splintered, fragmented part of his psyche to tell him what to do. And that to me is like the culmination of the journey. And in that, that means, you know, there's no more Project Mayhem. Right. There's no more Tyler Durgan. You know, like it's not about toppling society it's about finding your own peace and whatever that means however you can find it you know and i think that to me is the over like arching lesson i think the danger i don't want this danger is too harsh of a word i think the the uh, the issue is how the fight concern, club yeah. can be romanticized yes is because people see tyler durgan and their dicks get hard or they're like i'm gonna be just like tyler durgan which is not the point because we all want to be like Brad Pitt. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be Brad Pitt. Even Edward Norton wants to be Brad Pitt in the movie. That's Brad the whole point. Brad Pitt wants to be Brad Pitt. Absolutely. And of all the Brad Pitts you could be, Tyler Durgan's a pretty goddamn good Brad Pitt to be, you know, because he's fucking awesome. Yeah. He's cool. He looks great in leather jackets and sunglasses. And I think this is where, when you read the book, it's pretty clear that Tyler needs to go. Right? It's pretty clear that Tyler is the problem for Nameless. Whereas in the movie, you're like, oh, fuck, man, Tyler's amazing. Like, bring down the man. Like, I don't care how many uh, bobs get killed. 
take down the corporate art and destroy the corporate cafe, you know, because, you know, in Project Mayhem, we do not answer or ask questions. Woof. Um, And Chuck Palahniuk has stated multiple times in interviews and explanations of the book and its intent that it's really about the triumph of the individual over uh, a system that would crush that individual spirit. Uh, I think Tyler has a, a monologue where he reminds the narrator that he's not special. I think he literally says, you are not a unique snowflake. He is a, it's a mantra that's being repeated to the soldiers of project mayhem. That's right. Yeah. Um, just a reminder that you are actually part of, uh, something much bigger than you are and that your, um, your individual characteristics are not important, uh, when faced with the larger issues at hand. Um, I should clarify a little bit when I talk about satire in regards to Fight Club. Please do. Uh, because I agree with your your point that I don't think any of the lessons it's trying to teach are satirical. Um, but I think the the initial concept of, okay, so we have a crisis of masculinity in this country. Men feel marginalized. What if they all got together and just beat each other down to get out their, you know, their rage and their aggression and then that developed into a terrorist organization to take down the entire world just based on this feeling of alienation and marginalization as men that their balls are literally being chopped off so they just retaliate and blow cities up i think that idea (laughs) is pretty out there it's absurd it's absurd it's chuck palinuk sitting in a room and being like what would the like natural, like really extended conclusion of this idea of a crisis of masculinity be. Um, I think David Fincher though, and I, I have to say, I love David Fincher. I think he's a really brilliant director and I think he makes like spot on movies. I think he just made it so fucking cool that it, it looks almost like an instruction manual sometimes. And I don't mean to like prescribe any like responsibility on fight club for uh the for things like gamergate and for you know the development of um like really radicalizing online communities of of men who claim this marginalization i don't i don't ascribe that to fight club um but i i definitely i mean i had a it has nothing to do with fight club but i had uh, someone who I, I I won't put on blast on who they are and how I know them, but look at me and, and say with a straight face, there's a liberal attack on manhood right now. And I looked at him and I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, really? Like there's an attack on manhood? Like there are people out there that think that manliness as a gender concept is under attack and it must be defended least we become less manly, you know, like it makes no sense. No, it's, it's absolutely crazy. And Um, I think that is, and I could see someone, you know, like this friend of mine who is a friend of mine and I, I care deeply about, we just don't agree about a damn thing. You know, I could see this friend of mine and I have no idea if this friend's seen fight club or not, but seeing fight club and interpreting it, interpreting, wow. Interpreting it as, oh, this movie is about this narrative that I already feel, which is the attack on manliness, you know, and that because there's an attack on manliness, a character like Tyler Durgan could become your hero. Right. And they bring, I think someone can bring that into Fight Club and 
Fight Club can be an incubator that yes. can help make it. Whereas I don't necessarily think it's intentionally there in Fight Club. No. But if you've got that in you already and you take it to the movie, yes. suddenly Tyler becomes your hero, which is which is where I started. Like that's kind of the yeah. problem. Tyler shouldn't be the hero. He's the bad guy. Super, super easy to miss the point. And so there's yeah. a really careful line that has to be walked. I mean, I Ty- wanted- Tyler fucking peas in soup. It's fucked up. He's not a good human being. Yeah. Like that's not a hero. <laughs> like you just think about that. He splices porn into family movies. I mean, that is hilarious, but it's also fucking a, like a horrific sex crime. Yep. I, I wanted to share a quote um, from an article from The Guardian that was written last year around December, definitely contextualizing this narrative in the uh, the wake of the 2016 election. And I just wanted to share like the closing paragraph because I think it hits on exactly what you just said. Do, um, do it. I want to hear it. And he talks in this entire time about um, radicalization of men online. He talks about Gamergate. He talks about alt-right. He talks about uh, Breitbart and, and whatnot. Uh, And then wraps it up by saying, there's no point in denying that reading Fight Club this year felt different and darker, more prophetic, and yes, more revolutionary. The words were the same, but they'd taken on new meaning. A good story may, as Palinak says, change the world, but the world can also change a good story. And let me just credit that author. That is Sam Damn. Jordison. The world can change a good story. And that's exactly what you just Holy said. Holy shit, though. Because, that's a, they said it in a much better way there. Yeah, because Fight Club uh, does satirize this idea that there's a war on men. Um, but if you walk into a movie theater and you think that you are being personal attacked for uh, personally attacked for like loving your masculinity and like living it to its fullest extent, however toxic it may be. If you walk in thinking that, then you might leave that movie theater more juiced up than ever, right? Yeah. And I, you know, we mentioned this in our pre discussion, so I'll bring it up here. Like, I'm an avid sports fan, and it's football season, and football season is one of my favorite sports. And one of the reasons it's one of my favorite sports is that, like a lot of people, I have a ball of deep-seated rage that sits behind my belly that I try to contain <laughs> and pretend like it's not there. And then in football season, I see a really good play or a really good tackle, and I get to scream really loud. And it lets me to like tap into that ball of rage, and it lets me to let it out in a way that's like socially acceptable and totally constructive. Um, well, not always totally constructive. Not I, always yeah. constructive. Yeah. Most but often it's not, not. It's not usually destructive. Right. I'm the not point. hurting anyone or anything right. except for maybe my vocal cords. Yeah. You know, like, and I get to, to enjoy it and take part of it. And there's a part of me that connects to this sort of manliness of football's the toughest sport. And I watch it and like, raw and like, literally I watch it and I raw, like, you know, cause I, I enjoy it that much. And I think, there's this part in a lot of us, a lot of men that have that same feeling, you know, like the other thing that we talked about in our pre-discussion, like I love history and I can, you know, wax elegantly about its philosophical importance and why it matters. Cause no blah, 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 blah. I really got into history because I liked reading stories about people with spears stabbing each other. That's legitimately why I got a degree in it. Um, if I'm being truly honest, and then I can put all this philosophical shit on top of it. But for me, it was a way to be like, damn, if I live back in the day, 
yeah, I'd grab a sword and a spear and ha- go on the battlefield and stab my enemy, you know, or die trying. And like, it taps into that in the same way that Fight Club taps into that. Yeah. And all of those things can be powerful, but they can also be pretty terrible. Right. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think it's a really interesting that point that you just made about football, and it just set my mind on a little boomerang for you. Um, boomerang, because didn't I miss boomerang? Because, of course, I want to impress upon our... Should we get a noisemaker for every time there's a boomerang? <laughs> I think that would be amazing and terrible. Um, (laughs) But I wanted to impress upon the viewer, of course, that it's not just men who have that ball of rage sometimes and have to to find a release valve for it. Um, People of all genders do feel complex and intense emotions and passions at times and have to... um, have to put on faces for the world. And sometimes it can be constructive to have that release. Um, True, true, true. The example from pop culture that I just thought of to boomerang you a little bit is from the handmaid's tale. Um, If you watched the Hulu adaptation or if you've read the book, you know, the salvaging scene from the handmaid's tale, Um, the, the Republic of Gilead that has, built this uh, this world of oppression for the women to sort of put them into their little castes um, makes a lot of its successes off of putting, of course, some women into the role of handmaids who have to bear children for the barren wives of the uh, elite men of the Republic. Um, but they knew that with this sort of transitional generation, they couldn't just expect women to stay in line um, and, and just, you know, stay meek and never express their emotions or their rage at being, uh, subjugated. So they built in something called a salvaging, which is when all of the handmaids would get together and there would be like a man on trial who was a rapist or who killed a baby or who per, um, perpetrated some violence against women. And they would just allow the handmaids to tear the guy apart or kick him to death or just, have at him. And they built this in strategically as that release valve so they could have some place to direct their anger other than at the higher ups. So instead of like creating a revolution or a rebellion or a community amongst themselves, they could just rage against someone who you said, Oh, that guy's a rapist. Go fucking kill him. Well, and in the Roman empire, the easiest and fastest and most secure way to placate the population would be to throw games. Right. The most popular games were gladiatorial games, which were absurdly violent. So if we go full circle, the thing that Fight Club is trying to expose, the thing that it's trying to tell, I think it's meat and potatoes of its narrative, is the salvage, the football game, the uh, Roman gladiatorial combat, they're all designed to placate you. They're all designed to keep you in your place, break free from your place. You know, like don't just allow these things to contain your emotions. Your emotions are okay. And if you suppress them, you're going to fucking go crazy and create a Tyler Durgan. Right. Am I saying his name right? Tyler Durgan. I've, I'm bad at names right now. I can't say Helima Bottom. I, I, Helima Bottom. I can't say, it's, I'm uh, just going to say Tyler and It's Helen. Tyler Durden. Yeah, yeah I, I'm just going to say, I, I can't say the names properly. Yeah, I wasn't going to say anything. It may be due to bourbon 
It may be. I don't know. Tyler Bourbon. Tyler. And Helena Bourbon Carter. And nameless slash Jack. Yeah, but um, back to the the mission at hand here. So in the the wake of this, like, Harvey Weinstein um, major uh, just horribleness, you know, it kind of reminds me that on all levels, extremes tend to be dangerous, you know? And, and the reason why I point out the Harvey Weinstein is because like, here's a dude who um, was rich, powerful, had it all, um, and then decided to use his power and his status to hurt in particular women and do it in the defense of manliness. And somehow this Harvey Weinstein guy became our president. I mean, Hold on. Oh, wait, hold on. No, that's Donald Trump. I'm sorry. I confused the Did two. Did you confuse? Yeah, they're like the same person, you know, except one likes liberals and one likes conservatives, you know? Yeah. No, but my point being this is that I think there isn't a, that was a terrible joke, by the way. It <laughs> <laughs> was an awful joke. I apologize for telling it. Um, Donald Trump sucks. Um, my point being this, I don't think, and I think what Fight Club introduced is a real conversation of what it means to be a man in the modern context. And it starts a real conversation and it doesn't finish it. And that can be problematic because once a conversation is started that's not finished, people can take that conversation in lots of different ways. Right. And some people take the conversation of Fight Club and use it to say, you know what, there's really no such thing as rape. You know, other people take that and say, like, I have a, another good friend of mine who the movie Fight Club inspired him to read about uh, social movements, social protest. And dude's now a political science professor, you know, and doing great things in the world. And one of his, like, intellectual awakenings was that movie that challenged him to think more yeah. critically. You know, I always loved it as a movie that was, like, the apex of counterculturalism in film. Right, yeah. You know, and I really appreciated that it was unapologetically pro man, you know, and I always enjoyed that. That was like unapologetically. Yeah. It's about men for men. Fuck. Yeah. That feels good. It always feels good when something talks specifically to you. Like it makes you feel good when it's like, this is about you and we're we're marketing it to you and we're talking to you. But you know, I think it's high time that the lessons of Fight Club turn into the next level of the conversation. Yeah, which is it's what too does bad it, there aren't more movies made for men. Uh, just kidding. Sorry. I mean, yeah, Go ahead. like in 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 the way that Fight Club is. I mean, yeah, there's there's not a lot of movies that are unapologetically masculine and smart. That's are those are two things that are usually okay. mutually exclusive. Sure. You know, and I'm not trying to say that men are oppressed in modern society, but what I'm saying is that of of the hyper like segmentedness. We're all so aware of our borders, who we are. I'm a this and you're a this and you're a this. We placed each other in this fight club was one of those things that said, let's just smash that all that shit to pieces. <laughs> sure. And I like that. I like the idea of smashing all of the stupid to pieces. Yeah. That doesn't mean I'm an anarchist. Right. But I cut you off. You were saying the central question is, is what well, there should be a, a real question about what it means to be a man in the modern sense. And we are in a place where the roles of our society are more fluid. And because we're in a fluid place, because it's not clear who we are as a people anymore, and this is cross genders, 
it becomes more necessary for us to try to find productive ways to define ourselves. Right. I mean, I genuinely believe that it is a good thing to uh, move move away from traditional um, rigidity and conformity of of roles, whether they are gender defined or um, class defined or race defined or uh, you know employment defined or anything. I, I genuinely believe that some fluidity and balance is important in our development as a species and as a culture. And I think yes. Fight Club asks for that as well. It's a little more subtle, um, but you know, there are, there are, I think there are like actual yin yangs sort of placed precariously. In oh, there and are. Out. Yeah. Yeah, there are. There, there's clear symbolism. Yeah. But you know what I mean, you know, in more concrete terms, like if, you know, my father, my father's father's father worked at the mill and my father's father's worked at the mill. My father worked at the mill and now my mill's closed. And my entire legacy was defined by I go to the mill and I do my job and provide with my family. You know, that conversation of who am I now is a legitimate existential question that there aren't tools for that person in that in that place to equip. So fluidity means complexity. Complexity means people need the tools to grapple with it. Yeah. And a lot of us just don't. There's a lot of fear around complexity and fluidity. And I think this is one of those conversations in which we can learn a lot from, uh, from the various feminist movements. Um, you know, we can, we can learn a lot from the fact that the definition of woman has been expanded and we're still working really, really hard to continue to, um, make those advancements for women. But I think at the heart of contemporary feminisms that women can do what they want. Women can be what they want. Women can be sexual. Women can be non-sexual. Women can be, uh, career focused. Women can be stay at home moms and not pass judgment on each other for their own choices because women have that freedom and that choice. And I think that needs to be applied to men as well. Men need to understand, or the conversation needs to be had, that you can be a man and love this. You can be a man and love that. You can be a man and have these qualities that are traditionally defined as feminine, or you can have these qualities that are traditionally defined as hyper-masculine. And as long as those aren't contributing to a cycle of violence and um, inequity, then it's okay. Like it's okay to have a spectrum of manhood the way we are trying to have a spectrum of womanhood. And I think that is where in Fight Club, when it ceases to be about boxing, when it ceases to be consensual people working out their anger together and it turns into an organization designed to damage and hurt, Right. Is where we see the transition. And that's also where we see the transition of Jack and Tyler as one to now there's Jack and Tyler working against each other. And I think then that difference is a huge part of this narrative where we see Tyler become the villain of the story and we see nameless Jack become the hero of the story. And I think Brad Pitt is just so awesome in that movie, we often forget it. You know? Yeah. We often forget it, and because we often forget it, it adds a layer of attentional, easy-to-misunderstand intentions, I would say, about the overall point of that movie, which is, yes, consumerism is fucking evil and wrong, but no, you don't have to blow up buildings. Right. Just find a good woman that you love. 
Just find some food to put your condiments on. Absolutely, you know, because a house full of condiments and no food. And yeah, and maybe don't work a job that allows you to like excuse the killing of people by major corporations. Yeah, and you know, I understand full well the sort of emasculation that one can feel as a cog in a corporate machine because, you know, 15 years ago, Derek, I, I was that. I was working in a major corporation that I hated. I'd go to work every day and I felt like I was less of a man and it was awful and terrible and I did need to change my life. I felt like very much like, you know, um, nameless going through life, just trying to get through each day and get to the next point in sleep. Right. And taking control of your life is absolutely doable and possible. And that's one of the points of fight club twisted and dark and crazy and fucked up as it is. That is one of the points. And you can do that and live a meaningful life still like football and still realize that so much of society is just unnecessary noise and bullshit. Quick little boomerang. Sure. Great points, by the way. Thank you, love. Um, quick little boomerang that I would just like to, uh, to cogitate on is, um, so if, if your Tyler is your, is the animus of the parts in you that are the darkest, that are the angriest, or that are the most passionate, if it's this little part of you that has sort of metastasized into this demon that lives inside you. Your, and your id manifest. Your id manifest. All of your worst impulses, your best impulses, the best sex of your life, but also the most violent times of your life. If that thing manifests in your existence, are you supposed to embrace your Tyler or obliterate your Tyler? Um, yeah, I mean, Tyler. So let's break down the character Tyler and let's look at some of the things that he does and let's examine whether this is something worthy of being embraced. And I, yeah, I think the question is like balance or, or like ascension. He steals, uh, human fat, turns it into soap and sells it to people. You know, he takes his, his people's hands and he burns them as a spiritual test for them to commit to self-destruction. You know, he believes that, you know, as crafty and, and as, and as amazing as that it is, he believes that there are no individuals and that human life is expendable at best. And people that are not as smart as him should be manipulated to his end because he's smarter and better than everyone. This is someone that you definitely cannot, you cannot unleash. You're id. There's a reason, psychologically speaking, that Freud said we suppress our id. Because if it were let to manifest in reality, and if it controlled us, society itself would fall apart. You can't also obliterate it. Right. You know, like, so in the beginning of the movie, Nameless is trying to obliterate his id. He's trying to suppress it so much, pretend like it's not even there, that it forms an alternate personality and gains complete control over his life. So you can't do that either. To me, the way that I look at it is that you have to have this balance. You have to understand, and I don't know if women experience this the same way as men. I don't know. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. You have to know that as a man, you're capable of terrible, terrible fucking things. And you have these terrible thoughts in your head. 
You know that you have them and you have to be constructive with them. You know someone cuts you off and you literally want to murder them. Oh yeah, women have that. You know, you know that you see someone that you lust after and there's a part of your brain that goes like, oh, I'm just going to take her. She's mine. Like men have these thoughts. You have to be able to control these thoughts. You have to be able to control these impulses and desires. You have to be honest that there is a brute animal in you and you have to confront that brute animal head on and you have to find a way to channel that energy constructively. And I know that sounds like stupid, like psycho sabble, like psycho babble bullshit. And maybe it is because I'd really, I, I'm talking primarily out of my ass right now, but may, you know, maybe that is, but like, I know that I myself have found a way to live a life of patience and peace and respect. And so I think it's definitely doable. It just takes time and you're going to fuck up a lot along the way. And, uh, but you have to come to terms with these like, like inner demons that you have come to terms with your Tyler. You know, I gen, I generally think that there are no right or wrong answers on the midnight myth, but I think that was a pretty damn right answer. Oh, you're making me blush. Oh, <laughs> good. I pulled that one right out of like <laughs> right out of my ass. I was not prepared for that question. That's why we call it a boomerang. Yeah, I was just trying to be raw and real, you know? So what do you guys think out there in yeah. the internet? Um, if you're still listening to this episode, which of course you are, cause this is the most amazing conversation about fight club that's ever happened. Laurel and I have kind of decided to stop doing the nightly, I'm sorry, the, uh, nightly, the end of episode games. Yeah. We had a lot of, uh, a lot more fun and success when we put a lot of stuff together in the boomerang orang a couple months back. And so we want to focus our game like energies onto more bonus episodes for you in the future. So rather than closing out with a game every time, uh, we'll probably just wrap up our points and then you'll hear a boomerang orang every once in a while to get out our sort of willies and our heebie-jeebies and our fun. Also, you know, podcasting, it's like, it's, it's a decent bit of work. And we found that we were just kind of forcing the game in there because we wanted to continue to do it. And it just wasn't as much fun for us. Uh, but if you guys really want us to keep doing it, we will do it. Just reach out to us and tell us. Um, but for now, we're going to put ending the episode of uh, at a game on the hold. Yeah. On, on the hold is not an actual statement. On hold. Do you have any last thoughts about Fight Club? Yeah. Last final thoughts. The conclusion. I love that movie. I think it is one of David Fincher's best, if not his best movie. It is a really good book, too, that I really enjoy the book. It's one of those weird uh, examples where the movie is actually... I think we'll live on and be more remembered than the book. Yeah. doesn't happen often, but it does happen. Um, the Chuck Palahniuk faithful out there. I apologize. I think he's at best a mediocre writer with one or two really good ideas that, that he just regurgitates over and over again. Anyway, I'm fucking up this conclusion in the conclusion. I'd say that what does it mean to be a man is a central question of fight club. And it never really truly answers that. And that's a question that I think in a very honest and genuine way, most men don't ask. And it's high time that we, we do that. We really ask, what does it mean to be a man? I agree. And I think that goes for, that goes for all men and all women. I think we need to, to ask that question. And that's like, ask that question to your dad. Ask that question to your son. Make sure if you're out there raising boys, 
you are confronting that question head on. Sure. And just a reminder, Sunday, not this Sunday. Oh my God, what's the date? Uh, the 22nd? Sunday the 22nd. I am going to be the keynote speaker at Moore College in Philadelphia. It's a free event. Uh, we'll screen the episode, do a lecture, and have a roundtable. Please, the more of you that can come, the better. Yeah. Yeah, Batman the Animated Series rewatch, totally free, 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock. We'll share it on our social media again if you want to check out the Facebook event. Uh, it's going to be a really good time. And uh, in the meantime, as always, check us out on Twitter at The Midnight Myth or visit us on Facebook to search The Midnight Myth Podcast or visit www.midnightmyth.com for bonus information and content. Yeah, guys. And uh, until next time, the first rule of The Midnight Myth is be kind. Tell everyone about The Midnight Myth. Be kind. And be kind. Be kind.